0: So, I was standing on the median of I-78, which is a major highway. My car had just smashed into the center rail. I step out of the car, and it's night time, other vehicles are zipping past me, and I'm recollecting myself. What what just happened? tractor-trailer had just turned into my lane, didn't see me, and I don't really remember that much else. Um, I then look at my car, I see the driver's window is completely smashed, and the back left window is intact. And I look at myself, and notice through the window there, I see a little bit of coffee left over from the the, uh, morning. And I went in, I literally stuck my body in, grabbed a cup of coffee, took two sips, and then returned to that one intact side window. And I performed a neuro exam on myself. I had a luxury that I did not think I lost consciousness or hit my head on anything. I thought at least, I still think that's true. But I, little by little, I'm, touching my nose, I'm tracking my eye movement. How, how good? Probably. Up to date. But I kind of hit this point where I'm like, where am I? And what, what insurance or where, what hospital would take my insurance where I'm at?
1: Welcome to Health Stories. Real stories inside the healthcare system. This podcast is where we invite you, the listener, to listen in on real life stories of clinicians and patients. And so in these interviews, our guests are gonna reflect on their experiences and share with all of us their insights and suggestions for how to navigate our complex US healthcare system. I'm Nicole Daffenbaugh, and today I'm joined by Dr. Dan Burke, who's sharing with us a story about when he became an emergency patient after a pretty serious car accident, so Dan, what what happened next?
0: So, at the time, I felt that I didn't notice anything acute happening to me, and I convinced the officer I was with, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm a doctor. I'm looking for X, Y, and Z here, and I'd really I'm." Um, a state away from where I usually work and where I live. And it would really be to my benefit if I could get within that network. And, you know, if I notice anything, I'll stop along the way. And the officer, yeah, yeah, that's that's reasonable. So, uh,
1: so did the officer follow you back into the over the state lines? Is that what happened?
0: No, no so he... Um, I, I had some buddies by that area, they... We met up, he, he drove me to a, to a restaurant and uh, dropped me off, and my friend was nice enough to pick me up and drive the way. Oh,
1: the officer dropped you off?
0: Yeah, to, oh. he dropped me off to the restaurant and where I met my friend, and then we, and then my friend drove me the rest of the way.
1: Did the officer suggest that you go to the hospital or go, go anywhere, or he just, just dropped you off?
0: He So, he he talked to me for a little bit, and I got the sense he was gauging himself if he thought there was anything I absolutely needed to go to, and I, at the time, at least I like to think, um, if, I, if I felt like I banged my head against something, if I felt like I lost consciousness, anything obviously acute, I would have just folded my cards and just went wherever they told me, but I felt like I had a little bit of luxury there to make that call, which looking back, very, very stupid. (laughs) And I would never tell a patient to do that, Mm -hmm. I would never tell a family member or a friend, (laughs) but I told myself that.
1: Why do you think you told yourself that?
0: You know, there. I I wonder that at times, um, I have a couple reasons I think, um, one, I, I think part of it is just my, my mindset that I have to, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I just have to keep doing things and uh, I'll work through whatever problem I have. And <laughs> it doesn't quite play to your advantage in, in this sort of scenario. Um, I definitely, there's, I I'd like to think I'm wellness oriented in the sense that I'm pretty good with, pretty strict with meditating. Um, eating healthy exercising but for this uh, sudden scenario now where I'm I have to now put my care into other people's hands which is ironic because everyone does that with me hmm. I for whatever I bulk so that's one observation
1: so what happened next so your friends came to get you
0: so yes and uh, he my, my friend uh, was, was kind enough to drive me back the rest of the way and now now looking back my friend was like yeah you know you're you're pretty quiet the whole way back and you know he made sure i was okay when i got home whatever That just we were just chit-chatting a little bit and both just said, you know pretty shaken up my car is completely totaled and mm. it's somewhere in another state towed away and so you know i i had the next day off thankfully so i I was just going to sleep and see how I felt the next morning and kind of pick up the pieces and go from there. And then, you know, with an accident, you have to call a slew of people for insurance purposes. So thankfully nothing happened while I was sleeping because I live by myself. (laughs) And which is, again, not not an ideal situation on top of that. Um, I woke up. And you know, I started feeling nauseous. I had, you know, I was, the room was spinning a little bit. And at that point, you know, I was thinking, you know, I I just got hit by a tractor trailer, um, and I think, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit of that's to be expected. Then I
1: so sit- you didn't eat at this point didn't think, hmm, maybe I should go to the doctor. Maybe I should. Go. I, I I keep thinking back to when I see car accidents on the road. Right, the first thing I see for any major accident or even minor accident is EMT comes. Right, so yeah. the ambulance comes. Did the ambulance ever come for this accident?
0: Uh, n- no, because uh, neither of us reported any injuries. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay.
0: Um, I had uh had been in one accident years ago, and it was that was a fender bender, and no one was hurt, and it was. Same, just, okay. and in this case, the other driver was driving a massive truck, and I right. think I think the truck ended up probably okay by the looks. Of it.
1: Okay. So the next morning, you're a little dizzy, a little nauseous, thinking, "This is normal, right?" I, yeah. Well,
0: I, you know, I I was expecting something. Something was bad. I wasn't in any pain, thankfully, and I, I somehow I haven't been this whole time. So I kind of thought, you know if worse comes to worse, I'm gonna have a little dizziness, a little bit of nausea, that I'll take that and we'll just keep an eye on how I feel. And, you know, there's I think subconsciously there's a little bit of, hey, you know, this might not be right here, but uh, on the surface, like, yeah, we'll just see how this goes. Um, I then sit down, start watching some TV, Feeling worse, and I go, ah, you know, I think the screen's bothering me, so I turn it off and I pick up a book I was reading the day before, and I can't read the words on the page. (laughs) The lines are pretty blurred together, and even when I really try my damnedest (laughs) and focus in, I have a hard time processing what exactly is happening. And that's when I'm like, shit, this isn't good. But even then, um, I take out my phone and I text one of my friends who's an ED, who works in ED, and told him my symptoms. Like, hey, what do you what do you think?
1: So you sought so you sought another doctor to figure out what, what's going on.
0: Yes, via, okay. via text. You know the, okay. the best the best form of medicine. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know he thinks you know you know you sound, sounds like you, you might have a concussion. And, but I don't know what you have, cause we're we're just uh, texting, and uh, you know, um, some words, and maybe an emoji or two, and then yeah, you should probably like see someone right now. So oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's that sounds reasonable. Okay.
1: So you texted him your symptoms, and based on your text message, he said you should probably go. Yeah. To the emergency room. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the. <laughs> I I, I mean, you know, this is uh, something that the more I look back on, the more I'm like, what the heck am I doing? But as I kind of step away from it more and more, it's kind of clearly I also have concussion symptoms coming on pretty strongly. And that was starting to linger in my head as I was walking around my apartment and before, before I went into the ED and that was, that's really the the second reason why I think that was also when I was standing on the side of the highway and, you know, kind of going through my process and thinking I'm fine, I'm really at that point starting to get the full blast. You see, you, you see football games, you see sports games, athletes get taken out you just get plowed over by someone and they want to go right back in and they think they're fine it's that you you think you're fine and i i thought I was it was kind of going through this process of a concussion which it evolves into and what it is um it reminds me a lot of like high school fashion at the time when at the time in high school, just like when you just have the initial injury, you, what you're wearing, and, and in the case of the concussion, what how you're feeling, you think that's completely appropriate for your environment, and it's only when you have time that continues afterwards and then you look back you're think, "Whoa, you're you're not okay right now." And same with fashion, like what the, what the hell was I wearing back then? Why was that a good idea? No. Um, I. Yeah.
1: So not feeling good about your, your choice, right? No. Your choice at the time. So, so what happened then after your ED friend tells you not to, um, tells you not to, or tells you that you should go to the emergency room, what's he say? Or what do you do? Well, do you go, is this, is this the point that you go?
0: I, yes. I, I call an Uber. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So non-ambulance an and Uber. Okay. Yes. Was that his suggestion or?
0: I, I didn't bring it up. I just, oh, okay. I was like, I, I didn't. I don't live too far from the. I live down the road, I just I'll just call a guy to drive me over.
1: Okay.
0: So that was a, that was an interesting ride. Uh, the whole. The, the was whole, it
1: because you were concerned because you couldn't see, and or is it because you don't have a mode of transportation? I,
0: I have no mode of transportation at this point. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you
1: had a car, would you you think you would have driven yourself over to the ED?
0: At that time, no, because oh, okay. my my big fear was I'd walk out of it and say, yeah, I really shouldn't be driving. Um, so I, I'm i starting to digest the seriousness of it. So I get taken or by Driver X to the ED. Um, no questions asked. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get there, and I've been in the CD many times, many
1: odd hours
0: of the night. It's the first time I'm actually hanging out in the waiting room for... A period of time.
1: Wait, when you say you've been there before, you mean as a physician? As a physician. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yes, as as a physician, and so this
1: is your first time being a patient in the same place that you've.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, worked. I. I haven't. Thankfully, I haven't really been sick in a while. I've been very lucky to be young and not have anything unforeseen happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So and it happens to be really in the middle of flu season when this is going on. So everyone else is really sick around me, and everyone else has a lot of comorbidities. You know, I can kind of walk in and think, you know, it's just say I'm a resident, maybe they'll just kind of push me in real quick and get me out. Not the case at all. Being, being a young male with no medical history does not have the same sex appeal as everyone else who has every, you know, heart disease, COPD... Um, poor kidney function.
1: So you were moved down the list.
0: I, yeah, and I, yeah, I can't gripe about that at all. I would have done the same thing in their shoes. And I think that that starts to kind of uncover my whole error with this stage of the just initial stage of my concussion is I'm the whole time I'm a patient and I'm thinking about it as a physician. Uh, and you know I'm waiting and I think this whole time I'm sitting there thinking you know they're going to probably do a CAT scan see if
1: I'm
0: brain bleed they're probably going to they might check my carotid artery because I was wearing a seatbelt as everyone should see mm-hmm. just throwing public service announcements yeah, as okay. I'm talking wear your seatbelt. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um and, you know I'm really here because I'm Concerned I have a concussion and I want, I would really like a referral to see if I can get further testing. And you know, I'm there for 10 hours in total because it's very, very backed up. So
1: you're a doctor and you were in the ED and you told them you were a physician and you were in the ED for 10 hours. Yeah. Okay. And that's
0: (laughs) usually not the case where it's that it just happened to be that just happened to be really at the peak of a really bad flu season.
1: Where would concussion be in terms of seriousness though?
0: So it depends on the situation. If I had come in from an ambulance the night before Mm. there's a good chance I would have been seen pretty quickly because you would look for something acute. And I came in the day after. So time had allowed for those X, Y, and Z scenarios that I was Testing myself for on the side of a highway to try and rule out, which really, what I was doing really wasn't doing that much justice. And even it's like you, you know, when you're doing a neuro exam, you're touching your face, you're you're testing your strength. You can't you can't really do that on your own. And then I mentioned at the beginning, touching my nose. You don't actually touch your nose, but I probably was at the time because I probably didn't have good coordination. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I wait in the waiting room for five hours. It's didn't appreciate how it's really, when you're photosensitive, it's a really bright room and I'm just kind of tucked away in a corner, have my hands over my eyes and I'm, you know, I'm just being, just waiting, being patient. Um, but I can't, I can't look at a screen. It hurts my head. I can't, I can't do anything. I literally, I just have to sit there. And it is, I mean, that's, it was sort of my definition of hell. Because I like to do things, I like to be on the move. And it's probably as a product how I'm hardwired as well at this stage. So when someone's, hey, you have to sit down. And then you, and you can't, you, you can't do anything. You can try to, but you're, you're only going to feel worse and you're just not gonna do anything that much longer. Mm-hmm. So I I do nothing for ten hours and it, uh, yeah, every, and everyone was very nice to me and, and everyone was very sympathetic and I you know, same yep, got a CAT scan, checked my carotid artery, nothing was seen there and yeah. yeah, concerns sign of a concussion. And at that point they give me referral to the concussion clinic. And, you know, at that point it kind of starts to become clear that I am I need to follow up with them and I do pretty quickly because I'm feeling worse. And they, At this point they start to allow me right in because I'm now starting to move away from emergency scenarios and into scenarios where you schedule appointments and at that time you have the flexibility to allow someone who's working to go in. Not that that should always be the case at all. And I, I the least bit, don't, I want people who are sicker than me to get care of first than me.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so one of the things I want to go back to is that you chose to go to the ED instead of like going to a PCP, for example, a primary care physician, right? Do you have a primary care physician?
0: No, I do. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) But you didn't at the time?
0: No, no, I didn't. I, I had... I had a doctor who I used to see years, a couple of years ago at this point, but I didn't live around here right. then. And I just thought, you know, I'll get there, and I never, never got there.
1: Well, I hear that's fairly common, though, among physicians, the uh, not having a, a PCP. It was in a Wall Street Journal article from 2010 I recently came across. It said that physicians don't have their own PCP, and they don't usually take care of themselves the way that they take care of other people would you say that's that's true for you
0: yes <laughs> yeah i'm yeah and the i think one of the more enlightening parts of this process is now as days are starting to go by i i'm accepting that i need to be a patient in this scenario and there is there is a huge gap between being a physician and a patient, and I did not expect the such difficulty that, that it would take to really make that leap. So
1: what, what was difficult about being a patient, making that leap?
0: So, there's there's several layers to it. You're, at this point, one, you're not the person calling the shots. You're, you're, you, are you i am more at this point, was wired, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm getting a list of symptoms from someone, including myself, uh, and, and I have a clinical suspicion. I, just as importantly, I have robust resources to refer to, to make something accurate. And now I'm, now I'm in a scenario where I don't have the wherewithal to utilize any of that, and you done with a concussion, and this this end up lingering for for a good month.
1: So you mean when you say all of that, you're talking about doctor like medical information and journals, and that's yes. what you're saying. Like, so you you have access to all of that information, but it really doesn't mean anything because now you're the patient and you're not the physician. Yes,
0: I am. I am in a I happen to be, have a condition that literally strips the physician part of me mm. out at this time. And I, at first forcefully, but really more actively as I went on to be a patient. And, you know, another part with being a patient is you have to, you have to allow trust mm. with many people. And I, I myself is a pretty. Uh, I, I, I've I like to see good in people, I, I do, and I'm pretty, a pretty positive person and yeah. more optimistic than, most even. But for some reason now that I'm, uh, at a state where I have to, really, have other people be the guiding hand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's. It was a lot more difficult than i thought I, i'm at this point i was trained to communicate well and with with my peers and get feedback and that but that's and at that point i thought that's a that's a useful tool in many scenarios it, it isn't some it is when you're a physician and you're you're slowly trying you're always evolving and the more you listen to people the more attuned you are to your flaws the more attuned you are to just things about yourself you're not you weren't even aware of Mm -hmm. and that's and that's a lifelong process but when you're a patient there's uh there's more vulnerability with that
1: i can't help but wonder as i as i'm sitting here talking to a physician who became a, a patient in the ed And you're talking about issues of trust and the challenge, how challenging it was for you to sit there for 10 hours, right? Not being able to do anything except just sit there um, and needing other people in order to, to be better. And how many of us, you know, are patients on a regular basis and how many people who are listening who are patients and... What, what has that done for you as a physician now when you go back into the ED? So I guess the question is, have you been a physician in the ED since this has happened? Many, many times. Yeah. And, and so what's, what's that like for you now having been a patient, having been in that situation where you had to wait 10 hours? And I don't think that that's uncommon for many people to wait three, four, five, 10, 12 hours in the ED. And, uh, putting your health in other people's hands and what's that, what, that likes, what that is like for you and thinking about that as a physician. Um, how does that affect the way that you treat patients now? Has it had any change for you?
0: It, it's had a huge impact because it's added another layer to what I hope to be is my evolving empathy as I grow with each year as a physician and, you know, you have a patient that comes in and they have a number of chronic conditions and that's a that's a lifelong battle and prior to the injury my my empathy rooted more in really appreciating where they're coming from with the acknowledgement that you know i i can't i can't possibly feel what it's like having chronic kidney disease or cad but i'm i can i can certainly put myself in a in the shoes of the emotions attached to it the the day in and day out struggle but what i have now added to that layer is the a, the wherewithal that patients have to put themselves out there every day, and it is it is in many ways its own job. Mm. <laughs> I mean, to be to be a patient to be one that you're constantly seeing physicians and you're trying your damnedest to take care of yourself. It it's draining. It takes a lot of work. And and that a lot of waiting, a lot of a lot of conversations you don't necessarily want to have. You know, after for the sixth person I was talking about with my concussion, I was I was fucking done with <laughs> with, with with talking about it. it was just I'm I'm tired. I want, I want to I want to sleep. And these people have to do that every day. So. There's this mindfulness component to that. Now, there's also there's also other patients too who thrive off that. I've, I, there's also patients who like the extra attention, and sometimes it, sometimes that's good. Everyone needs a little, little TLC, um, but sometimes that can cause harm as well. There's there's some patients that will. I, I could I could appre- I I don't feel this way, but I could appreciate some patients who this is their life at this point and having these illnesses is part of it's, it's part social, just to some extent because this is so much your life. you the people at the the offices you go to; they're mm-hmm. they're the ones who you, you see every day.
1: So it sounds like you're getting into like. Individuals with chronic conditions and when you see them and they, yeah. they frequent the, the healthcare care system. In your situation, this was you in the ED for one very long stretch of time, right? And when you have patients that come in, so I'm thinking about how you said, you know, it's hard for you to see, you're nauseous. What do you do? So I, I hear you're more empathic. I hear that you're more mindful. Are there other things that you do as a physician and you know, the advice that you would offer others for what they might do differently, and how they might demonstrate that, and actually show that, or questions they might ask, things they might do differently. I,
0: I think I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing for me, that I that can be applicable, I I do, I do not judge anyone because so I think back to. When I was in the ED as a patient. And you know, I'm I'm probably either the healthiest or one of the healthiest ones there. And I I have all this baggage with me just from the last few days, all these all these emotions that come in. Um, and this doesn't even this doesn't even start to skim the surface. It's just you know, you just had a, a traumatic accident. There's acute stress that is is a natural process and we have everyone else in there who who is going to going through many different phases of that all the time and i i just no matter how so a patient talks to me or treats me i i, I don't judge i if someone's Someone becomes angry at me for something, if and if someone, someone's very sweet to me, I, I do not judge. I use it as a tool to better to help me get a better sense of where they are right now. Mm-hmm. I I just uh, there are so many people that I came in just in that one lone visit, let alone the slew of visits I had afterwards. And I don't know how I interacted with them. I was I was not I was not completely there. And when you were a patient, when I was a patient, and there's there's nothing anyone could have really done at that point, minus you know a very probably minus a very serious uh, diagnosis or or something of that level. That was that was really going to have an an effect on how I. How I am, how I talk to people. So when I, when I, when people communicate with me, I, if someone, someone raises their voice to me, someone gets very emotional. I, I, I don't take it personally.
1: Mm. And I bet that can be hard if someone's yelling and you know, and you can understand potentially why they're, yeah. <laughs> they're upset or angry or. Yeah. I, so, so in addition to being empathic and mindful, it's this idea of not judging and not knowing their whole story and being open to what possibilities exist or why they're upset if, in the first place.
0: If if life is a video, when we see them we're literally just looking at a picture. It we we don't there there is not enough time and you can be the best historian, you are you are just scratching the surface of their life. You 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 really do not know the patient and it is not your job to judge them for that moment
1: as a patient what are some insights that you have about having uh, been inside the healthcare system from the other side what would you do differently or what would you do the same if you were in that ex- you know encounter or situation again
0: <laughs> first thing that jumps out if you're to all the kids at home listening, if you uh, if a tractor trailer plows into you out of nowhere, you should you should go get you should go have someone see you like right away. Don't 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 wait. It's not a, don't wait. Yeah, yeah, you know you're not you're not Superman here. Don't uh, don't do that. But a big a big thing I've learned because I so the last time I really had some significant level of care where I had to see more than one doctor. I mean, it was probably, probably when I broke a bone a long time ago. And even that, it's not the same significance of, of this because I had to see I felt like I saw everyone and their aunt by after the end of that month. Um, you have to put trust in the communication between physicians because there is, there is that constant communication. And it's it's scary because when kinda of was, was talking to you, you're making yourself vulnerable. And I'm I'm saying it when I'm saying it, I'm imagining myself talking to one person, just like I'm talking to you. And then now suddenly it's okay, well now you gotta tell this other guy who's very specialized in talking about your vulnerabilities and that particular aspect of it. And so now you're doing it again for just this one sliver to someone, and then you gotta do it to someone else. Um, is
1: that why you were frustrated by the sixth person who was asking you?
0: Yeah, yeah, because I, 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 I told, I just I was tired of talking about it, and, it's, and, and it's, it's also kind of out, like underlying the fact that, you know, I didn't feel like, I felt like I was fine. It was weird. I felt like I was fine, but I felt like crap at the same time. But that, that's how that's how a concussion works. It's it's disorientation. That is. That is the, the biggest thing.
1: One of the, the, not to go back really quickly, but I can't oh. help but think, um, and I've had so many people ask me this question, and I can hear people wanting to know too, why do six people ask the same question? Why do you get six people who come into the room and ask you the same question over and over again? Do they not talk to each other?
0: <laughs> That's a great question.
1: I know people are dying to know. <laughs> So, so what, what, what would you recommend? You know, what do you do? What did you do as a page? So you got upset, right? I
0: got upset and I know why we do it. So you, you do learn something every time you you part of the care team asks the story. Uh, if you find, if you have a book you really love and you read it over and over, you, you, you learn new things about the book each time. Oh, there's this little detail I didn't notice. And that's very important when you're, again, you're, you're just, you're trying to get as much of a snapshot of a photo of, of someone's life. Who's really a full length, movie. And you, you take every little detail that you can. And if it takes, there, there's been times I've several people ask a history before I came in. um, you, you, when you, when you're the frustrated patient, like I was, you don't realize it. But when you're, when you're saying something a fifth time, you, there's a decent chance you're gonna add a detail that you didn't even think about, and you just you, you you spoke all the main ones so much that something else came to the surface, and that that little detail can really change the course of treatment. Oh, um, we're I swear it's the not done to be mean. It's, <laughs> it's to
1: trick somebody yeah, into saying something
0: yeah, different. Yeah, we're me. not a uh, like in the not just like behind a glass Ah ha 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 ha. So Let's get someone else to ask them. Get a... Yeah, it's uh, it really paints a the, the the most detailed picture we could get.
1: So go go to the hospital when you have an accident. That's that's what you learned from this story, right? Don't yeah, wait until uh, the next day for your ED friend to text you yeah, that you should uh, go to the. Hospital. That,
0: that's the well the <laughs> uh, learning point that I got out of it. But but uh. The bigger thing, though, is the, there is constant communication going on. It's hard to fully grasp that as a patient, just how much we're, we're keeping an eye on you, we're talking about you, even though we're not in the room. And it seems whenever we're in the room, we're asking the same <laughs> questions. There's a lot more dialogue going on.
1: Behind the scenes, right? Behind like the, the scenes. All, all behind the scenes. Know. Okay. Yeah. So keep communicating. Let people know what's going on. They're going to keep asking the same questions and, uh, and put your faith and trust in others. Yeah. And it's hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then also, another reason why we ask the same questions is things might change from when the first person asks to the sixth person. Not necessarily your story, although sometimes that does happen. That's not why we do it. But your body might be changing. And especially somewhere in the emergency room setting when you have a lot of acute things having I mean, a lot of unhealthy people coming in and sick people. And something with your heart can happen very differently from the first person who asked you the questions two hours ago versus now. And that, that can be life or death.
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Burke, for joining us today on Health Stories. Cannot thank you enough for being here and sharing the story about when you became an emergency patient and how it's really impacted you and um, the insights that you've offered all of us both as uh, patients and physicians and uh, all of us who navigate this healthcare system so thank you again for joining us this is Nicole Duffenbaugh with Health Stories